This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes! Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time, 12.03. Great to have you with us for the Monday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Stock Picker Monday at 12.49. The back-to-school season is the retail industry's next big post-pandemic test. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, the second quarter earnings season kicks off the week ahead. We're joined by Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital. Uh, Jack, so uh, what are we expecting here in the earnings season? I'm going to guess uh, year over year, a lot of companies are going to be looking pretty good. Absolutely, Cisco. We're looking for a blockbuster quarter, I think over 60% uh, earnings growth. This would be the best quarterly results since the fourth quarter of 2009. Uh, very similar. 2009, of course, was year over year uh, versus the financial crisis and and now year-over-year versus really the depths of the pandemic. Um, That, I think, is largely expected. However, that's also peak earnings. Uh, And so what we we know that it's not going to get any better than this in terms of growth. So I think what investors are going to be listening for in these earnings results, uh, less about how great everyone did over the last three months, and really an expectation of supply chains, of revenues, of business opportunities they see going forward. And, uh, I mean, how do you, yeah, you mentioned going forward. I mean, those numbers that you hear from the pandemic here, I'm guessing Wall Street doesn't care much about the year-to-year growth, given everything. They really want to see what's going to happen next year. That's it. It's all about what happens after we start to, you know, get back to what we'll call the new normal. And And that's still very, very murky. You know, we've got the bond market saying that, you know, woe is me that we're going to have a, you know, global, you know, secular stagnation. And then, of course, we still have equity investors pretty optimistic with, um, you know, investors paying 22 times next year's earnings. So it's it's really hard to see how we thread this needle and what what life will be like once things get back to normal again. Yeah, and let's uh, talk about inflation. Uh, just expecting that to continue and maybe even get worse. What are we seeing here? Yeah, there. You know, that's also part of the debate. And I think you know your listeners should know that the bond market has had a pretty spotty record in predicting inflation. So it, in fact, what what you should do as individuals is look at the prices you pay and sort of judge for yourself. Um, two concerns that I have is that there there are two parts of the inflation cycle that really haven't uh, taken into full effect yet. One is wages, and that's pretty sticky. Rarely do you see wages go down. The other is housing. Uh, and as we start to see, you know, these housing prices ratchet up, that's going to kind of trickle over into rents, or at least how the government equates that to rents. 
And that's also pretty sticky, too, to the upside. So we'll see, you know, later this year how wages and rent will impact the CPI number. And I think it's going to be higher than what what most uh, investors uh, see at least for the ne- for the next few quarters. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to investors, the the idea of an environment in which we're getting more inflation. I mean, there there have to be ways to to position yourself to thrive in that situation instead of just being wary of the inflation environment. That's it, and you know, from an investment perspective, equities. Uh, doesn't typically don't mind inflation. A lot of companies, particularly high quality companies and dominant positions, have the ability to pass along higher costs to their customers. Um, bonded, bond investors, however, really have very few places to hide because inflation really means that in, uh, rates should go up. Um, and so, you know, if you have that combination of kind of slightly higher inflation with slightly higher interest rates, that's you know certainly not the end of the world for equity investing. And I think that tends to favor the cyclicals, the 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 industrials, the basic materials, the financials, um, those uh, parts of the market that tend to be a little more leveraged to the business cycle than say the large tech, which has been really more of a safe haven. Um, Part of the market over the last couple of years. Thanks so much, Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital. Just ahead, a huge windfall could be ahead for back-to-school retailers. A huge windfall could be ahead for retailers as back-to-school shopping gets underway. Joining us, Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors, former vice chair at Target and chairman and CEO of Toys R Us. Uh, Jerry, so uh, what are retailers expecting here? I guess more in-person students means more school supplies needed. I think it's going to be really robust growth for the back-to-school season. Every forecast says it. Every survey says it. We're looking at double-digit increases in sales. Uh, For many students, this is their first time back in person in a very long time. So think of categories like clothing or school uniforms. The old ones don't even fit anymore. So they've got to to get new clothes to go back to school. And anything school supplies related, because, you know, when people were working from home, they weren't really using school supplies when the kids were were, uh, doing their remote learning. So those are going to boom. Uh, so I think it's going to be a, a huge back-to-school season. Consumers are able to pay on top of everything else. The child care credit starts uh, very soon. And so even the parents that, that maybe uh, don't have as uh, big a salary are going to have that extra boost from Uncle Sam. Yeah, that it is interesting, especially the timing of that. It does come right at back-to-school season, meaning, as you're mentioning, you're going to have a lot of parents that ordinarily wouldn't have a lot of money to spend. And some of them may have, I don't know, several hundred up to $1,000 or more. Absolutely. It's a couple hundred dollars a month for uh, lower income par- parents uh, per child. And if you take a look at uh, back to school season starting right about now, it really, we really think it starts the last uh, two weeks of July is when back to school season starts and all through August. That's exactly when this money is going to start arriving. And again, generally speaking, consumer spending has been very, very high. And uh, it's likely to continue to, to, to do so. I think especially when compared to even the 2019 pair, we're going to see some big increases here. And so for the retailers, I mean, uh, does this mean we're going to start actually seeing more? We've talked about how there's just not as much product on the shelves. Are they going to be gearing up in preparation for this to make sure the shelves aren't empty? Well, everyone's trying to, but there's long lead times for a lot of these items. And additionally, there are shortages and uh, supply chain disruptions that are pretty uh, prevalent throughout the economy. So I think we might see a little less discounting. 
And when you add that to the underlying inflation that's driven by some of these factors plus others, uh, you may see even just the prices per item go up on top of buying more items. So I think we're going to see a very, uh, very uh, big spending period. Uh, you're not going to get everything you want, though, because uh, there are going to be some shortages. Yeah, and that's uh, certainly going to be a challenge for the retailers, too. Thank you so much, Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors. Up next, a look at space tourism now that Virgin Galactic founder Richard Branson has successfully rocketed into space. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. What is the future of space tourism now that billionaire Virgin Galactic founder Richard Branson has become the first person to ride into space aboard a rocket ship that he helped to fund? We're joined by Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media. Paul, I mean, I guess this is just the beginning, right? We anticipate more and more space consumers. That's exactly right. Now those consumers are going to have to be pretty well healed. Uh, the, the cost, at least initially, for a flight on, on Richard Branson's uh, vehicle uh, called Unity uh, is about $250,000 a ticket. So obviously not for everybody. Um, the goal, at least as stated by, you know, Sir, Sir Richard, um, after his flight, after, you know, he's obviously pretty ecstatic about it working, uh, but his goal is to make it available to everybody. And obviously, you know, with volume in any industry comes a lower price per unit. And I guess the goal is to lower the cost per ticket. And you're still talking a lower cost, you know, 40000 or something like that. It's never going to be like a flight on an airline. I don't think so. I think, well, let's put it this way. I think if you were to believe the bold pronouncements, whether it's uh, Sir Richard Branson or it's Jeff Bezos or, or Elon Musk, their goal is to make space tourism like a like a vacation trip that, you know, for example, you know, you might spend eight to ten thousand dollars on eventually. Now, that is not nothing. And, it, and it, there's a huge percentage of the population that wouldn't want to try to afford that. But, you know, when you're talking about access to space, it is definitely a once in a lifetime thing. People spend that going down the Grand Canyon. They spend it in all kinds of other vacations. So it's conceivable that the that the dollar figure is going to drop into the five figures instead of the six or seven figures. Yeah, then more people certainly would be able to do it. Uh, so we, you mentioned Jeff Bezos. He's just days away from his own trip. That's exactly right. I mean, you know, billionaires in space is the theme for this month. Um, and so, and from my perspective, that's maybe where they belong sometimes, <laughs> just so they can get a little perspective. But the point is, you know, it's, it's quite beautiful. And I, you know, from the video footage I've seen, um, it's spectacular. There, you know, Mark Hatfield, who was, a, who was the commander of the space station, I was an astronaut, he, he lent his perspective on it. And I think that the sort of staggering beauty of that perspective, really, in some ways, and this is Sir Richard Branson's perspective, too, is that maybe we all just need a little bit of perspective on you know how beautiful and how fragile the planet is and that's part of it it's not just hey get me some revenue it's also hey let's take a look at our planet uh and and let's look at maybe protecting it and the only way people really in any mass understand you know mass understanding of it would be to see it from that perspective so you know we're talking three times the speed of sound uh on the way up we're talking about 45 minutes before they left they went up you know 40 miles um and spent three to four minutes of weightlessness that is definitely something anybody who takes that trip will remember yeah for sure yeah, talk about once in a lifetime for sure. Thanks so much. Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media. Still ahead, a contrarian view of financial markets. Then at 1249, a pair of investment picks. It's Stock Picker Monday. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing,
sneezing, coughing, and aching doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown is at the White House this afternoon, meeting with President Biden and other city leaders about the rise in violent crime. The search and recovery mission continues at the condo collapse in Surfside, Florida, where at least 90 people have been confirmed dead. We'll take a look at what's moving Wall Street, including a contrarian view of the financial markets. WBBM Business, the Dow is up 120. NASDAQ is flat and the S&P is up 11 points. We have oil down a little more than 1%. 71 degrees, lots of clouds as we head to a high of 75. Chance for some rain this afternoon. 1231, Chicago's police superintendent David Brown is among those at the White House today talking to President Biden about the rise in violent crime. Shootings and killings are up around the nation and local politicians and police are struggling to manage the violence that has ballooned since the pandemic started. Others expected to attend today's meeting, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams, the likely next mayor of New York, and Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser. The search and recovery mission continues today at the collapsed condo building in South Florida. Confirmed deaths in the Surfside Florida condominium collapse have climbed to 94. The number of people still unaccounted for has dropped to 22. Surfside Mayor Charles Burkett. It's obvious that this has become much more than a collapsed building site. It is a uh, holy site, for lack of a better word. Searchers will face the threat of off-and-on heavy rain and lightning each day this week. That could slow their work. Jim Crisula, CBS News. You can take WBBM wherever you go on the Odyssey app. Also, hundreds of new exclusive music stations. That's at the Odyssey app. Just download it. A-U-D-A-C-Y. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Stocks are mixed today. The Dow up 119. NASDAQ is up one. It's actually down now one. Keep bouncing back and forth along the flat line. The S&P is up 11 points. Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Let's see what's going on here. Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at Smart Portfolios. You can find him online at macrotides.com. Jack, good or Jim, good to have you with us. What do you make of what you're seeing today on Wall Street? Well, I think it's more the same in the sense that you have a narrow group of stocks that are uh, helping the market, at least in terms of the S&P uh, rebound. 
Um, but I think, you know, we got some data points last week in terms of the ISM services number. Cisco it dropped from 64 to 60, and a lot of people got worried that, oh, my God, that's telling us the economy is going to be weaker than expected. But a big part of that decline was because the labor component uh, dropped from 55 to 49. No one believes that companies have stopped looking for workers. The reason that number dropped was because people can't find workers. Completely different uh, uh, take. And so I think there's been some assumptions about that, you know, the economy being weaker than expected, the Delta variant. Even though there's been an increase in cases, the number of cases are down 90% from their peak in January. The number of deaths are down over 90%. So I just think what happened in Cisco last week, there was some concerns uh, about the economy drove bond yields down. They spiked down. I think there was short covering in play. And I think Treasury yields are going to work their way higher in coming months. And one of the tests will come tomorrow when we get the CPI. You touched on labor. Is there a belief that the cost of labor is going to rise as more companies have to do that in order to attract workers? And, and what might that do to earnings? Well, it, it may put a squeeze on earnings. But the other thing that's important is that once wages go up, companies aren't going to roll them back. I mean, the prices of certain things like computer chips, they're going up, going up. At some point in time, uh, the, the supply will catch up to the demand and prices of computer chips will come down. That isn't the case with wages. Once they go up, uh, they stay up. And that is just more incentive for companies to try to pass along some of their increase in costs. And that's why I think core inflation the next six months is going to remain comfortably above 3%. And at some point in time, people are going to notice that and get away from just thinking that, oh, inflation is going to be transitory because of base effects. Yeah, that's the issue. Is there's this belief that in inflation, oh, it's a matter of months, you know, not years, yeah. and yet we just don't know that. Well, I, I, for me, and I'm happy to send anybody who wants to read my analysis of uh, the you know, inflation outlook for the next six months, my July macro tides issue, when it, you know, kind of in-depth on this. And the main thing is core inflation, 40% of it comes from shelter. We've seen what housing prices have done, uh, and the Labor Department uses owner's equivalent rent. So historically, Cisco, there's a relationship with house prices and rents. So the next three to six months, and especially after the moratorium ends on uh, people having to pay rent, uh, we're going to see a big jump in shelter costs. And that's going to, you know, since it's over 40% of the CPI core, that's one of the things that's going to continue to push I think core inflation higher, and people are going to finally realize, hey, this isn't going to be just a matter of a few months. It's going to be a lot longer than that. And I think that's where the real test comes for financial markets. They're beginning to doubt, you know, uh, Powell being right about transitory. So as people are thinking about inflation maybe being around a little longer term, what does that mean for stock portfolios? How should they maybe adjust things? Well, I wouldn't be a buyer here. Uh, that's for sure, certain. I mean, I, can the market continue to grind higher based on just people being bullish and, you know, kind of having their head in the sand regarding what the core inflation is going to do? Um, but I think we're setting up for a 7 to 10% correction. It may happen when the S&P is over 4,400, but I think we're going to see a time when the tech stocks get hit because of higher interest rates and the cyclical stocks get hit again 
as rates go up. So I think once we see that correction, that'll, I think, provide a better entry point. I would just simply not be a buyer at this point. Thanks so much. That's Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at Smart Portfolios. You can find them online at macrotides.com. 1249, Stock Picker Monday. Up next, a visit with a stock market contrarian, Mark Hulbert. News that makes you money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Stocks have soared to all-time highs, but will the momentum continue? Joining us with a contrarian take on financial markets, Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com. Mark, a lot of people just assuming that stocks will just keep climbing. What do you make of what may happen here? Well, yeah, I... (laughs) As you mentioned in the intro, I'm a contrarian, which means that when people are as optimistic as you mentioned, always thinking the market will go up, then typically the market doesn't do as well as when people are pessimistic. There's a saying on Wall Street that the bull market likes to climb a wall of worry, and we definitely don't have much of a wall of worry right now. So that would be my overall take. I'd say that we should be cautious because there is so much optimism. The only footnote I will give to that rather pessimistic conclusion I would draw is that uh, the, the optimism we see out there is, uh, how shall I put it, a mile wide and an inch deep. It turns out that at the first sign of any trouble, people tend to rush to the exits. So that is not typically the kind of thing that dooms a bull market. It rather just means that we're going to have a lot of scary corrections along the way. What will happen at the final top, if I were to be so bold as to make a prediction, is that people will remain stubbornly bullish even in the signs of uh, of a decline, and that's when we should become really worried. Yeah, is that the, the, the uh, sort of inch deep, mile wide that you're talking about here? Uh, does that also mean that people will be more likely to start putting money back into the markets at the first sign that things are doing okay? That's exactly right. It turns out that what I think the implication of that is, is that you're going to have a volatile market. So as soon as the market shows any declines, people are going to rush for the exits. And then when the market starts showing a little sign of strength, people rush back in. So you'll go back and forth. It means that we're not going to see the the huge declines or the major sustainable rallies that you might otherwise expect uh, in a market like this. So I think a trading range market, perhaps with an upward bias, is probably a a good expectation. Are there particular sectors, given inflation risks, given uncertainty with earnings? uh, You know, you have everyone talking about their earnings compared to last year, which is really not a a very fair comparison. Uh, any, Any advice to investors? I mean, certain sectors maybe that are more likely to be solid? I I think you're going to see the same phenomenon among the sectors. I mean, just look at what's happened with the inflation trade. It used to be that, you know, I say used to be only six weeks ago, it was that value was going to make a huge comeback because uh, belief in inflation was coming back and value stocks tend to do better in, in a high inflation environment. And yet here we are six weeks later, and now people are worried about deflation and the slow growth environment. And now growth stocks have come back. So I think what happens in general in the kind of market we're in is that people swing too far to the extremes. When they become bearish or bullish, they become too much of one or then the other. Yeah, and then they end up missing out. I mean, in general, okay, contrarian, over the long run, you're feeling pretty good about the markets though, right? Well, that's right. I think, you know, this this discussion, it's good that you asked me that question. I mean, this discussion only applies to short-term traders. Most of us for our retirement plans and so forth should be buying and holding the market for the long term. 
Where this might impact us, even long-term investors, is if we have money that we otherwise want to put in the market, we might want to pick those times when people are very pessimistic. That's probably a good time to put the market in. If you have to pull money out of the market, you might wait to when there's a lot of exuberance out there. Yeah, thanks so much. Good insight as always. That's Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com. Buy. Sell. Listen. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday on the Noon Business Hour. We welcome Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, also publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond. Chuck, always good to hear from you. What's your first pick? Well, I stayed in a sector that a lot of people are focusing on this earnings season, Cisco, and that be that's the banking group where you've seen a fair number of banks pull back here as interest rates have come down. Um, I still think there's merit in the group. I still think there's pretty good value in two stocks that I like. The first one is J.P. Morgan, symbol JPM. The stock trades for about $158 a share, down from its 52-week high of about 167 You know, that is still kind of the, 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 the blue chip in the space. I mean, they have a diversified revenue stream. They've got, you know, very strong finances. You're going to see dividend growth there very strong. It currently yields about 2.3%. And it's going to be, I think, the best proxy for what goes on in the banking group. Uh, they report earnings tomorrow, so you may get a chance if earnings disappoint or don't meet expectations. But I would feel very comfortable buying that stock on a price dip. That's J.P. Morgan, symbol J.P.M., and it trades for $158 a share. Okay, J.P. Morgan Chase, first one. What's your second pick? The second pick in that group is a, is a regional bank. It's Service First Bank Shares. The symbol is SFBS. Rates for about $67 a share, dividend yield of about 1.2%. It's based in Birmingham, Alabama. It's a smaller bank. The market capitalization is about $3.6 billion, but I like the earnings opportunity there for that stock this year and next. I like the valuation, and I also like the fact that it is a smaller bank, and I think you will see over the next 24 months uh, a little blip up in bank consolidations and mergers as um, the banks start to get on better footing and, and and on better relations with regulators as well. So that's a stock that I think represents um, an interesting play if people are looking for kind of takeover stocks in the banking sector. That service first bank shares SFBS trades for $67 a share. In general, you, we've talked on the show several times about inflation. You, you, you have different expectations as to how long this, this most recent episode is going to last. Uh, what kind of an impact does that have on bank stocks? Well, you know, in, in some ways, if, if with inflation, if you have accompanying increase in interest rates and you have kind of a, a steepening in the yield curve, that's typically tends to be good news for banks. And um, as long as you have uh, people that are willing to borrow. Um, so, you know, if, if you do get higher rates, I think that would translate to a little bit better performance of the, of the uh, bank. So I, basically all banks are going to, or all issues are going to have tough to hoe versus inflation if inflation really gets out of hand. But I think banks do offer a little bit level of, of hedging there on inflation. Before we let you go, what's the Dow theory telling us these days? Yeah, last primary signal under the Dow theory was bullish. Again, uh, you know, I would like to see the Dow transports behave in the Dow theory. It would be nice to see better performance out of the Dow Jones transportation average here.
Thanks so much, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter. His two picks today, J.P. Morgan Chase, J.P.M., and Service First Bank Shares, SFBS. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, the replay podcast will be available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.